You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lip from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight? Doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. I actually uh, just finished watching uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Just just wrapped oh, up the last episode of that, bro. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's good, man. It's super good. <laughs> it's good, and now I want them to make me a, a Bucky show. Just, just Bucky. Uh, like, just give oh, me dude. a Winter Soldier, like three Winter Soldier movies, a trilogy of them, please. I've heard rumors that perhaps there's going to be a new series of a new Captain America series, Ooh. which of course he would definitely feature in. But like movies, yeah, with uh, with uh, Falcon america falcon america <laughs> falcon america yeah uh, which i would be like a like all about because dude uh it was so it, good yeah i'm trying not to just i'm trying to spoil it free man but it's so good and anthony mackie is so good and uh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It's i've so been good. on board i've been on board with this because as a comic fan like it, it happens all the time that falcon comes in and, and takes with the mantle when cap either dies or is sent back in time or it, the aging catch up catches up to him and he has to retire whatever the stupid situation is that steve rogers gets goes down <laughs> sure it's yeah. always it's it, falcon 90 percent of the time steps in and i was i'm i was here for it from the beginning ever since they introduced him in uh in the first uh or the second captain america movie so uh yeah suffice to say i very much enjoyed it yeah, so it, it was. Uh, yeah, if you have not watched it yet, it was really good. Jen and I really watched it, and it caused us to go back and watch Captain America: Civil War, um, because we had not. I think I'd only maybe seen that movie twice, and I forgot how good it was. And I forgot, mm -hmm. like, we got done, and my wife was like, "That's an Avengers movie." It's like, "Yep, min yeah. minus Thor and Hulk. It's an event in a big bad. It's an Avengers movie. It's so good, though. It's so good." Yeah, and and they got. I mean, the whole point of. Captain America Civil War was just like the biggest fan service moment ever because we got to see the heroes fight the heroes. Like I, I've, I've always said like in comic books, the two things that comic books want to see more than anything else is unlikely team ups and uh, heroes fighting other heroes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the two cool things because you don't see them very often. Like you can see Spider-Man go beat up Doc Ock any old day. But when Spider-Man teams up with Wolverine, everyone loses their mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And when, when Spider-Man uh, teams up with Iron Man and tries to beat up Black Widow and like the and like the gloves are still on, but they're kind of not on, and then the gloves completely yeah. come off by the end. Anyway, if you haven't watched Captain America uh, Civil War or you have not watched uh, the, the Winter Falcon Soldier, Winter Falcon Soldier. Winter Soldier, you stop listening to the show and go watch those things because although we are wildly, wildly entertaining, um, mm -hmm. Disney has a few more dollars than us to make entertainment, yeah. just like a couple more. They make a little bit more than us per month. And so, uh, and so they have the resources to do some really cool stuff. And they did, mm -hmm. they did really cool stuff without going overboard. I think that's one of my favorite parts about this. This and WandaVision both 
has been that mm-hmm. it's not over the top. Like uh, it's not the Hobbit or the second Hobbit or the third Hobbit, right? It's it's Lord of the Rings, right? It it's mm-hmm. just good. Uh, it's just good. So yeah, we yeah. we. Loved I mean, it's it. not without its flaws, but it's it's just overall like I mean. Can I just say uh, just one little thing about this? Yeah. Like, uh, they made the Falcon so much cooler in combat than I even thought was possible. The yeah. way that they, they like, choreographed the fight scenes was incredible. Like, better than the movies could ever do justice or have ever done justice to the character. His fight scenes and the way he uses the wings and the movement of it all, it's so creative and interesting. Like, I got... Anytime... Anytime uh, Sam Wilson got in a fight, I was just like, yes, 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 because I knew there was going to be some dope move. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Uh, so make Disney, sure feel free out. to feel free to sponsor us. We'll yeah, take your we'll take your money. We will talk highly of what you've done. We already do talk highly. Yes, about we, your stuff. We do. So, you we, know, do. we do. We're, we're huge Marvel fans and huge Star Wars fans. Yeah. What more do you need? And I wasn't even a, Mar- a Marvel fan until the MCU. But uh mm. But you know what? More and more. I mean, this isn't a Marvel podcast. Let me let me just be clear. But it is a Legends of Runeterra podcast. It's not, as it oh, turns right. out. It's not. Oh, right. Um, now I, remember. I got to play some Expedition this week on stream, and uh, and we went six wins with a really, really cool deck. Um, and we got to our seventh, and uh, and we went up against a deck that was, it was like a Teemo. I cannot remember what the other one was, but it really wasn't either of those. It was Puff Cat Peddlers, and he loaded me. He had, he had at one point had two uh, of the uh, things that the landmarks that make you draw an extra card. Um, and mm-hmm. I can't remember. The, Hex uh, Foundries. Hex, Hex Foundries. Yeah, yeah, Hex yeah. Core. Hex Core Foundries. And yep. uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, lo- I lost in game seven. There's nothing more disheartening than going back and forth, winning your way to game seven in a, an expedition and then losing in game seven to end the stream. It, it's it's a pretty disheartening way to, uh, to end an mm-hmm. expedition. You'd almost rather lose, like get two or three wins and then be out and draft a new deck then climb the entire way to the seventh game and then lose and not get a chance to redeem yourself and your deck was so cool but it doesn't matter because you lost and your run is over so that was a little disappointing i have said uh i think i'll probably off uh the cast because i don't talk about expedition much um but my biggest gripe with expedition is how easy it is to put a teemo deck together it is it's really, really easy. really easy, and it's not fun at all. Yeah, um, I would really love to see them runs with that. I I would really like to. See, I I drafted one of the best decks I think I've ever drafted, and then ran into two Teemo decks in a row, and just there's not answers for it. I mean, yeah, it's really Puff you Cat can, Peddler that there's not answers for. <laughs> well, and you can sometimes draft more than three copies of Puff Cat Peddler. Oh, like oh, you the, can actually you can you can arguably make a better Teemo deck in Expedition than you can in way better. Yeah, I, yeah. I had one where I had five Puff Clap Peddlers in my deck and then two of those cards that uh, the it, I can't remember the invention cards that, that create a, pl- mm-hmm. a copy of it in your hand with plus one plus one um, and and then just play that. And uh, yeah, and and just wreck people. But you know what? And then I also uh, I, I joined the dark side this week and uh, I played Thresh Nasus a little bit. I played a little bit of Thrash oh, Nasus you did now. I just had to see what all the hubbub was about because there's a lot of people playing that deck right now and a lot of people saying it's strong. And I'm like, well, is it really strong or is BBG playing it a lot? Um, and as it turns out, 
BBG is playing it a lot, and it is really strong. Um, it's, mm -hmm. It just feels very unfair once Nasus is on the board because there's so little that your opponent can do about that without Vengeance. And once Nasus is leveled up, then you can't even do anything with Vengeance. And then sometimes he doesn't need, even need to level up, and they target it with Vengeance, and you can just counter with Atrocity. And then they they try to do something else, and you counter with another Atrocity. It's It's pretty strong. It's pretty strong. It's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Uh, I, yeah, I I won I, the games I won handedly, and then quit playing because I felt like a scumbag. <laughs> yeah, I um I've gone, I've talked a lot about uh it in the Discord, and I'll so I'll keep it short. Uh, my issue with the deck is, I mean, I don't like atrocity because I think that I've expressed why I don't like atrocity. I don't yeah, and we've come again. up with amazing but solutions my, for that in previous episodes. So yeah, but my my. The reason I think it's so strong is because the deck doesn't have as very many soft counters. And I don't know if this is tech, a technical term that I invented. I don't I, I, I don't know. Maybe other people use this, but this is what I've coined uh, for myself. When I think about counters, you have hard counters, which are things that are uh, put in the deck as, as specific card choices to influence the outcome against a certain interaction. So, mm -hmm. for instance, you know, Frostbite, is a hard counter to atrocity. So you put it in, you're not necessarily, you You don't necessarily put it in just for atrocity, but that's a hard counter. Deny, right, uh, for atrocity. So you have those hard counters, and there's there are some, but not a lot. And especially not when there is access to both double atrocity on turn nine and or atrocity with right of negation. Yeah, right so of negation you know, is really the thing that, uh, that breaks the back uh, pretty bad. Right. And so my, I guess, complaint more than uh, anything else about the deck is that it doesn't have a lot of soft counters. Right. So like what I mean by soft counters is is general archetypes or specific keywords that naturally and inherently uh, are advantageous for the flow of the game or for the general strategy that they're playing. So um, by and large, I'm talking about like, uh, you know how like uh, remember when uh, TF was being played with uh, Go Get It and uh, go Pack hard. Your Bags. Yeah, yeah. Go hard. Yeah, Go Hard and Pack Your Bags. That's right. Um, you know, the biggest issue there, in my humble opinion, um, was that you could beat it really handily if you queued certain decks that you could already argue to play, um, but that inherently were favorable. Mm -hmm. Something like uh, running... Um, uh, um, uh, fearsome units, right? Yeah, fearsome so, like, units. People would play Mist Wraiths immediately jumped up in popularity, right? As a way to deal with that. Uh, and so my argument, of course, is like, well, when I'm looking at a deck that's really strong, I say, well, what are the soft counters to it? And I look at it and I say, you could argue that like Thresh Nasus doesn't necessarily like completely box out a bunch of stuff, but it also like doesn't get boxed out by any one thing there's there's no or any even multiple things nothing is like an auto win or a you know ridiculously high win percentage against it it plays the entire field it Very doesn't have well. soft counters yeah. yeah because like aggro gets slowed down because it can put go so wide so fast and counter and it has healing in it right or and access to healing depending on the build it has so much draw so it won't run out of steam so you can't play attrition against it uh, and then it also uh, can close the game faster than any other like control list. Yeah, could. very so just reliable got, game closer as well. And it, it just ha it always is viable 
in every stage of the game and there's no keyword or like speed of play that would be a soft counter to it, at least not consistently. So that that's the big thing I think that it has an issue. And that's why people look at it. And there's a lot of people in the community that I think there's a valid discussion here, arguably. I don't agree with it, but I see the argument that they're saying it's not overpowered. Like you can beat it. And it's like, yes, you definitely can beat it. But the, the strength of the deck isn't in this case because it's so absolutely bonkers, right? Yeah, no, no. It's just because it's, it's just steadily strong against everything else in the game right now. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's just very reliable too. And in it it's not necessarily uninteractive. I mean, it's a board-centric mm -hmm. deck. It's pretty interactive with the board. It's sacking its own creatures. You can do some stuff against that. There are things that you can do, but it 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 draws to and can pull up its win condition very reliably and this is what happens every time shadow isles becomes strong um whenever shadow isles is given a good way to sort of end the game because if you remember um you know the tf gohart deck that ran mostly a ton of shadow isles stuff and then tf to draw the things this is just using a lot of the draw from shadow isles because a lot of the draw in shadow isles also is putting creatures on the board so you can do a lot of chump blocking and then you have a way to close out the game with nasus where before it was you know gohart uh, pack your bags and gohart that would that would close out the game for you in this case, it's Nasus Atrocity. In other situations, it has been Ladros Atrocity. Um, but there's just a lot of like very valuable, strong early game whenever you can sack your board. You have cards that allow you to sack your board. And there's just been some good Shuriman cards that a lot enabled us to do that even more efficiently than before. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a problem too. Um, but uh, but hey, enough enough about that. Let's thank our patrons real quick. I want to just say thank you to all of our patrons over at Patreon.com. We appreciate you guys. Last week, we did try to release an episode for the patrons of The Mulligan, which is our uh, side show that we do uh, about twice, once or twice a month for the patrons over there. Um, so if you want access to that, we didn't release it last week, but we did release it uh, the, the morning that we were recording this episode. Um, and so it is over there on Patreon. So I want to thank you guys. Enjoy that. And if you want to become a supporter of the show, go to Patreon.com slash legends guest give us uh 25 cents an episode that's one dollar a month to say that you're a patron and in addition to that you get to be entered into uh in addition to that, entered into a giveaway every month which is very exciting um and so every month we do a giveaway uh where we give away right now a legends cast pint glass and this is the end of the month last month i didn't realize that i drew a winner that had won before that person was very kind to let me know that and so right now we have two winners for this uh this month's pint glass and that is Corey l which is the 10th doctor forever um and justin which has given us no last name but has a hotmail email address so if you're justin with a hotmail email address still um i'm not trying to call you out i'm just saying upgrade to gmail and also <laughs> <laughs> you want a legends cast pint glass so uh message me uh you are there is there we have one we have like one yahoo account one hotmail account everybody else is is a gmail account so anyway uh justin with a hotmail account and the 10th doctor forever uh let me know that you hear this episode and give me your name and address and we'll get that pint class out to you asap thank you so much for supporting the show uh this time though we're gonna go ahead and jump over and do our short topic for today showtime Okay, guys, our short topic today is actually in regards to Wild Rift. Both DBN and I have been playing some Wild Rift. Are you still playing, DBN? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I definitely have uh, been enjoying it. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We talked about this last week, right? Yeah. We were mm -hmm. saying how 
you know, we we talked about it with uh, Shane. You're saying how like, yeah, it's not a really great pooping game, you know? No, it uh, takes a little bit longer. It's not, but I have found uh, that it's a nice lunch break game. Um, That's and probably it's accurate, often, yeah. You know, and so like I've been like taking my lunch break. I'll I'll eat real fast, but I've got you know between thirty minutes and an hour, so I'll finish eating. I, I'm a notoriously fast eater, uh, <laughs> and uh, and then I'll be like, hey, uh, what now? I still have some time. I would still want to decompress. Let me play a round of it. You know, so I'll play a fifteen minute game, and and it'll be a blast. And sometimes I'll come, you know, uh, come home after work and just be killing time before I need to make dinner. So perfect mm-hmm. for that too. Um, I love Wild Rift. I didn't realize how badly I needed to scratch my MOBA itch after not kind of after moving on from Dota 2. I think it's I think it's fair to say it's official. Maybe I, maybe I'll go back to it at some like someday. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um but I think it's I think it's fair to say like I I don't have time for it in my life anymore. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As much as I love the game, you know. Uh, so I, I, uh, I definitely would love to, um, you know, to get back to it maybe someday, but for now it's just not in the cards. So wild rift, it just completely checks that box for me. It allows me to, to get that, uh, that vibe of like, oh man, I'm strategizing and pushing the towers. Everything I loved about Dota 2 condensed. It's the same reason, dude, it's the same reason why I loved, um, uh, here's the storm. Yeah, yeah, it was condensed. Same, yeah, it, it was just condensed. Simple. You know, and, and allows you to get that hit uh, that you get from like, in, you know, if you love mobas, just quicker. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I've, I've been playing it as I well. It. I played, uh, I played three games this evening, and I've been playing a lot of top and jungle, mostly jungle recently. And uh, as we were talking about it, we were like, you know what, DBN has a little bit of experience now with some uh, some League of Legends champions mm-hmm. that are not in Legends of Runeterra that we thought it would be interesting to each give one champion that we would really love to be added to Legends of Runeterra that's currently in Wild Rift, but of course not in LOR yet. And I thought that was a really cool idea, and uh, it was something that I've been thinking about because, you know, uniquely enough, a lot of the characters I've been playing in Wild Rift are characters that are already in LOR. I almost jokingly called did mine and said, I think I'd really like Shivana to be added to the game. Being the Shivana <laughs> we got has almost not been added to the game. Um, but uh, but I didn't go I didn't go that route. But uh, DBN, why don't you go first? Tell us what's the what's the uh, the, the the character from League of Legends from uh, from Wild Rift that you'd love to see added uh, to to LOR that would get you totally mm-hmm. pumped. Yeah, so I've been playing a lot of different things. Uh, honestly, like I would I would say there's probably two or three, you know. But but we're on limited time, so I'm gonna pick one. Okay. Okay. And I I don't now that I'm th- I'm doubting if I know if I'm gonna pronounce it right, but is it Alistar? Yeah, or is it Alistair? I think it's Alistar. I think that's what it is. That's how the announcers announce it for uh for like the league uh pro games. Okay. So Alistar. Yeah, yeah, it says it it is says it is Alistar. Okay. Um yeah, Alistar for me is uh become one of my absolute favorite ones to play. I, you know, I don't know how much of it is uh, a factor of like I like playing I don't like playing carries because I was like a support and offlane main in uh in dota yeah and uh i I don't know how much it is to that but i also just really enjoy the mechanics behind him right the idea of like 
uh, you know, you've got that, those kind of like stun, like disruptor abilities and stuff. You get to push people back. So I'm constantly like backing up my teammates and getting them out of a jam, but then also getting up in people's face and, and having some really useful abilities. And I was just thinking about how cool the uh, those kind of disrupty mechanics are and how great it would be to uh, be a supplementary like stun based champion. Oh, that could be cool. Yeah, like a, almost like a support, something that couldn't necessarily like have a win strategy in and of itself, but that, uh, but mm -hmm. that you know, like would be able to sort of support getting damage through from another champion or support Yasuo's stun strategy or something. That could be cool. Yeah, but I was thinking too. Like, I love, I love his charge, mm -hmm. where he charges up and then pushes someone back. And I was thinking how great it would be to have an effect where like. If he, uh, where like you stun any unit that at uh, attacks or defends against him, that so like if you cool. if you or if you block with Alistar, the unit gets stunned. Yeah, or like one where like if Alistar challenges a unit, that unit is recalled. Right. So like, if, uh, if, sure. If, if you want to do, yeah. If you're able to give him challenger or give somebody else vulnerable and he pulls them, it would knock them back to their hand. Knock to the, knock. The, the, oh, I see. What you, well, hand. I was thinking about knocking them back to the bench, but yeah, no, it's same, bench, same vibe, hand, yeah. you know, but I, I love that idea. And I think it would be really cool to see a, a champion that could make blocking operate differently. Yeah. Where like you, cool like a champ, a champ where like, cause how many champs do you actually ever want to block with? 90% of the time they do something on attacking. I would love to see Alistar do something like when I block, when I assign to block, you get a dope ability. And even just the idea of like, hey, I have Alistar out. He can literally block anything by like pushing it back. You're going to have to deal with him a different way. You yeah, know, it would even um, be cool to have because he has like that knock up that ground stomp have like an ability mm -hmm. that was like when he blocks, he stuns the creature to the left and the right of the creature that he blocks. Yeah, I still think that there's a lot of unexplored terrain within LOR regarding the ordering of and the positioning, uh, yeah. and the positioning of units and ways to disrupt the positioning of units as the opposing player. So I would just love to see more like defensive, uh, you know, combat trick stuff. And that's how I've always felt playing him is that I'm like I'm that that enforcer, you know, like I'm bouncing people off of my uh, Master Yi or off of my. Uh, uh, jinx which is mm -hmm. i mean there's a limited pool of champions so like i'm running into a lot of the same ones sure that yeah. are kind of trying to carry you know but i you know oh no like they just jumped on my my carry dive in bounce them back you know 90 percent of the time i can get out without dying because i can stun them and you know whatever but then i also love the ability of like getting to engage like just charge in to the middle of it when they're not expecting me it's just yeah it's super fun and i really like his ability where you like you're like uh trampling or whatever and after like you get five ticks of the damage you can like stun them on the next strike mm -hmm. that could also be another cool thing to incorporate into the uh into the game so basically i want to be able to play a tank uh, uh minotaur yeah. and uh and really see the combat centric i'm not trying to win through elusives i'm not trying to do some sort of crazy otk baloney or even he's i, I even picture him like not really even being able to kill other people's stuff just being able to dominate the individual conflict maybe not nothing to do with the big picture you know of of how he's not going to be the person that wins you the game he's going to be the person that helps someone so another card win the game sure 
Yeah. That's how I picture it. I like it. I like it. Well, I have one too. And mine might be, it's kind of funny because it might not be surprising, but it's not my most played because I've been Mm -hmm. playing Garen a lot. I've been playing Garen and Darius in top lane or in solo lane. I've been playing Lux in mid and support role um, and really love playing Lux. It's probably my most played character right now. I've really been enjoying just like the ranged. I never played ranged characters. Recently, I've been going to the jungle a lot and playing Shivana, which is also in the game. So every one of those have been in the game. So I had to really go deep into my pool. And this is the character that I played for the three games today. So my choice is Olaf. Um, Olaf is a Freljordian uh, barbarian Viking. Yeah, right. It's, <laughs> of course. But like, I just had to show that I, if I could have chosen Garen or Lux or Darius or Shivana, I would have chosen one of them. But they're literally all in the game. Every character I've played is already in the game. I literally, I haven't played anybody else. I, I do want to play Tristana some, and I do actually think Tristana would be amazing to have. Wait, is Tristana in the game? No, Tristana's not in the game yet. No. Um, I would really love to see Tristana, but I felt like it was not genuine because I haven't really played her in Wild Rift yet. The one that I played a lot has been Olaf, and has been a tremendous amount of fun. And uh, so he's just like, a, you know, an axe dual wielding, axe throwing uh, you know, like unkillable sort of barbarian. His ultimate, you know, like speeds him up and makes him do extra damage and makes him immune to crowd control. So you can like pop his ultimate and run into the enemy team. And uh, and he throws axes that slow people. And if he picks up those axes, his cooldowns drop on it. And uh, I've really been enjoying that. I'd love to see Olaf in. And because I love Freljord, I'd love to see more Freljord champions. And they've given me Ash and they've given me Sejuani already. Uh, you know, it's like hard to pick more Freljord champions. Uh, so Olaf is, I, it, and it was like, I wanted to play, try Trindamir too. And, uh, but I have not gotten him yet. And that would be like the other Freljordian, mm. uh, giant sword wielding, uh, guy that I wouldn't mind seeing. But so my answer is, uh, uh, Olaf. And I don't really even have like a tremendous number of ideas. Um, I do think that like his ability to make other things have vulnerable, and then, like, something that makes him just, like, he's just, like, flat-out immune to stun when he's leveled up. Like, he's just a beast with overwhelm, regen, and immune to stun. Um, you know, that's actually, a really, that's actually a really interesting thing to think about. Like, also, like, I think Alistar has an ability, his ultimate, like, reduces damage and, yeah. like, reduces a, uh, CC and stuff. But um, I was thinking about this, like, it, you know how we've been getting, like, champions uh with like spell shield occasionally yeah uh-huh like there's been a few that have gotten spell shield that like a lot of the successful champions have like either spell shield or like quick attack things that protect them and allow them to engage in combat right it would be really interesting to start seeing some champs like alistar like olaf like i, I mean yeah, I, don't I mean there's know a lot if, of different ones i like i don't know if trendamir uh, it, like what his yeah. abilities do. Trindamir, his his ultimate is he just can't die for like six seconds or something like that. No okay, matter well, what damage he takes, pretty... he can't be killed. Well, I'm just saying, like I think it could be interesting to see some of those big bulkier heroes literally have like some sort of keyword that makes like a keyword that makes them immune to the stunned condition or maybe a vulnerable condition uh, or vo- yeah, immune to stunned and vulnerable and I don't know, maybe not frostbite. That might be too much, but yeah, like those those. Key, you know those keywords basically showing that they're like grounded and resolute and and un, unwavering you know like i feel like that could be a keyword uh that could be used to make some of those champions that really want to be involved in fights a lot actually get to go to combat <laughs> yeah i agree so that could be really interesting 
Yeah, I uh, I think that there, I, I think there's, once again, right, as we've seen, there's a lot of room left to explore. And I'm sure that these are conversations that have been had, you know, inside the sacred halls of LOR devs. Um, and, uh, and, you know, hopefully it's some of the stuff that we'll be able to see because, you know, even from the outside looking in, you see all of this really cool, uh, you know, a design room that has yet to be explored in this game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I just get excited for it. You know, I, I just get excited for it. I'm, I'm like really similar right now with uh, Marvel champions because that's the, you know, single player or co-op card game that I've been playing a lot of and been getting more into it. And like, I look at the MCU and I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so many characters that they could release still. There's so many decks. There's so many villains. Like, it's been going for a year. I've collected most of the stuff by now. And I'm like, there's so much more that they could do. And I'm so excited for that. I just want to see everything. And uh, and Wild Rift sort of stirred that up in me for LOR. That was like, there's so much more that this game could do still. Like, we are only yeah. scratching the surface of the content that's out there before they can start making their own content that doesn't even have anything to do with the existing lore and characters in LOR if they or in LOL if they want to. Um, yeah, there's just it's there's such an enormous wealth of stuff and uh, and actually Marvel Champions has had me thinking about card game design quite a bit recently because there's a couple of things that I love about it that we'll talk about, but just not on this episode. Um, and uh, I think it would be really cool to, to have a conversation about, and it's never going to happen in LOR, but I'm gonna we're going to talk about it in a future main segment for sure. Yeah. Speaking of main segments, we got some new cards. Are you ready to jump over to a main segment and talk about some new cards? Let's do it. What the b is that? Okay, guys, so we got a couple of new cards, and unfortunately, we have not seen a champion as of the point that we're recording this show, but we are looking at Guardians of the Ancient, an all-new uh, all expansion, or I guess the second part of this, other, of this Shurima expansion cycle that's going to be coming to LOR, I think, in just a couple of weeks. I don't remember the exact date for its release. Uh, next week. Oh, it's next week. Okay, it's like a week away. So yep. we're going to see everything yep. next Wednesday. And we're going to get it. So like literally we're going to be able to talk about it. We'll release our episode at like 6 a.m. hours before um, the release of these next cards. So next week we'll be able to highlight the champions. This week all we can really look at is like, I don't know, eight cards um, that have been mm -hmm. spoiled in the last two days. And, and a couple of them aren't are just tokens. They're not even cards. But. but I think that they are indicators, really big indicators of what to expect over the spoilers for the next couple of days. So I, I do think they're still very much worth talking about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we got three champions. We know who those are going to be. We're going to get Zillion uh, for Sharima. Um, that is like the time wizard in the game. His uh, his ultimate ability allows him to place a clock on a character. And if they die while that clock's on them, it will uh, revive them with the same amount of health and spell power and cooldowns that they had when he first cast it on them. Um, and so it's kind of like a, a guardian angel of sorts, which is an, an item that resurrects you and, and LOL. Um, and then we're going to be getting, uh, not Malkai. Malkai's, oh, we already have. That's the tree man. Um, what's the giant? Malphite. Malphite. Yeah, Malphite. Yeah. Giant rock monster. Do you know which region Malphite's coming from? Uh, yeah, it's going to be, well, people are pretty sure it's going to be Targon. Oh, that makes entire, that entirely makes sense. Yeah. Which, that entirely makes from sense. what, from what very little lore I know, very, very little, I had thought that he was Ixtal, technically. 
Okay. And which might be a weird indicator that maybe Ixtal isn't going to be a faction that they'll get lumped into maybe other factions like Targon and or yeah. Yeah. They don't have a lot of champions in Ixtal. So I think, I think like the only region, I think potentially the only region we're going to get after this one is going to be the void. Um, it seems like there's just so many void champions that it, apparently swim did a video on this, like projecting and like indicating, like looking at what existed and what doesn't exist and stuff to project, which one I didn't watch that video. So there's probably better data out there than just little old me. Um, so I guess I just bumped swims video, but the bottom line is um, that's where I, it seems to indicate. And I think that that, I guess that would make sense because I was looking through all of the champions because I was like, Oh, what are they going to bring to wild rift next? And I was like looking at all the different champions that aren't in it mm-hmm. that are in normal LOL. There's a lot of void based, a lot of void, a lot yep. of them. And they look cool. And they like, doesn't want to people love them. I want to play a bunch of Eldritch monsters. Yeah, Let me Eldritch play the Eldritch monsters. monsters. And then you have like Kaisa, who is Kaisa's like a huge fan favorite ADC right now because she's like a super cool chick that's like the speed of light that came out of the void and has like mm-hmm. super void powers. You you kind of have like that type of character for a lot of players who are going to enjoy that. But then you also have like Rek'Sai and uh, and I actually thought Nocturne came from the void. I was wrong. Nocturne's a demon, obviously, from Shadow Isles. We know that now, but uh, you have Rek'Sai and some other really cool Void characters that uh, that we haven't seen yet, and so that would be awesome. The last champion that we're going to be getting in this section was revealed in the trailer as well, which is Irelia. Irelia, who uh, yeah. is Ionian. Ionian, sort of like blade dancer. She kind of like swirls with like, a, I don't know if they're telepathic blades of some type. They're kind of like telepathic blades. They kind of seem that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never I been know. a huge Irelia fan. I was hoping for a Kali. I really like a Kali who's like uh, a ninja, like a, but not like super stealth ninja either. I mean, she is stealthy because she throws like smoke bombs and things. But I was hoping for a Kali because I like a Kali over Irelia. I think Irelia is like a little bit more of like a top lane bruiser champion. A Kali's more of an assassin type character. And I do think that uh, a Kali's more of a fan favorite in the LOL community over Irelia. I could be wrong about that. Um, but we're getting Irelia either way. That's that's going to be the champ for sure. You know, it's interesting because uh, I think that it's fair to go ahead and start with the first uh, first card. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very clearly is focused on Irelia. Yeah. You can even um, see her cloak a little bit in the background or scarf or whatever. Yeah. So it's a it's a non main deckable card. It's clearly a token that's summoned when she does something. And it's a one mana one one blade that says obliterate me when I leave combat. Okay, so it's like even bigger than ephemeral. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's really interesting because very clearly it's something she does will summon these blades. I think that that's going to be weirdly like, I think that could be really, really good for Ionia and playing off of the synergies that they already have with regards to wide board states that just don't get used. I was just playing around with field musicians the other day in a ephemeral list. And not only was it doing really great with all the shark chariots, um, but it also was like, man, I wish I could do this. I wish I had other things that would summon things that were only in Ionia. So I could branch out and use field musicians, which is a really fun and cool card to use, uh, without having to come over here to shadow Isles. This might be the, the, that card, this might be that champ that supports the, you know, uh, monks that are, are like, okay, like, yeah, buff everything on your board or, or whatever. So like, Hmm. 
I think this could be very promising. Of course, we know literally nothing about Aurelia yet, except that at some point she summons this one mana one one. I think the interesting thing about this is this is a creature. I think that's what's interesting. Like it's a blade. Well, that means it can it, get buffed. Yeah, it can get buffed. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things that go with that. Because when you glance at this card, you think it's the same thing that Katarina produces, which is a one mana fast spell, which is one mana deal one damage. Because it's kind of what it looks like. But this is actually a one mana one one creature that is, you know, also I guess like an animated object of Irelia's. Um, which is uh, which is kind of that, that's interesting. I'm not, you know, uh, I just uh, I, at first when I looked at this, I took like a double take and I came back and I was like, oh, oh, OK. Yeah, no, this is an actual this is actually a creature. This isn't a spell. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. like, oh, when you play this card, when you play this spell, obliterate it, because then like you wouldn't be able to find it with, uh, you know, with I don't know any number of cards that might make you. There's not really many cards. I guess there's just the one from Targon that lets you search for a card that was played by your opponent. Like, your opponent wouldn't be able to find this, and maybe you would want your opponent to find it. So is, is the obliterate even necessary? But it's very interesting that you obliterate this one-mana, one-one creature. Um, and I'm curious to see why they want that direction. I mean, there's, like, almost no graveyard effect outside of, like, okay, maybe they didn't want you playing this with some— of, maybe she summons so many blades that they didn't want you playing this with some of the Shadow Isles creatures, that, yeah, you know, deal well, damage to face whenever things die, because this won't die, you know? Right, yeah, you definitely don't want this Neverglade Collector uh, or, or something like that. Um, yeah, and I don't know how they do, they, there's be, all, There is, well, maybe not, but there's already so much synergy with Shadow Isles right now. That's true. Like so many other, like you really don't need any more. I, I think it's probably just a wise way to encourage people to play it within Ionia, not farm it out for, you know, uh, what will uh, They Who Endure. Yeah, that's true too. That, it that, although They Who Endure. It would well, it, right? And so, like, you could arguably like make a they who endure Ionia list, which might be cool, but not a, not now. So, <laughs> yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what these cards do and why they added that little obliterate thing. Why this isn't just a one mana one one called Blade? Once we see what Irelia does and what the rest of the set does, because I mean, it's very intentional, right? It's clear that that obliterate thing is on there for a very good reason, uh, but we just don't know what that reason is until we at least see Irelia, which is you know probably tomorrow afternoon, something like that. Um, yeah, but the next yeah. card is uh, one of our cards from Targon, and I think it's the only card up to this point, yeah, that has been revealed for Targon. Yeah, just one. His name is Chip. He's a one mana, one one common creature um, that reads: Once you summon a landmark this game, grant me plus two plus two. Um, one mana, one one that once you summon a landmark gives him plus two plus two. So we're gonna see some more landmark synergy, and we're gonna see a lot more of that. Interesting. It looks like uh, it looks like Malphite then is going to have some landmark synergy in Targon as well, which, you know, previously we had seen maybe a little bit of landmark synergy with Freljord between, you know, Sharima and Freljord that had sort of gotten played together. So it's really interesting. Does Malphite go uh, with Talia, right? Does Malphite go with Talia? Are we going to see a Targon-Sharima landmark list that, you know, really pairs up those two champions together? That's kind of like my first thought. Is there a chance that Malphite is a landmark in addition to being a creature? Because that could be interesting. That could be really cool. Um, Although I don't think we would want Talia to be able to clone Malphite, probably. No, probably I suspect bad. he's not. He's probably but, not, you know, but it'd be cool. <laughs> but, you know, two things about Chip. One, yes, Targon is a big indicator that there's going to be more landmark support within Targon to supplement the landmark support within Shirima. Um we do have that uh, often overlooked uh, landmark that uh, from Targon that pulls Celestials after a countdown. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's worth noting. 
but also worth noting is the fact that the entire LOR side of the internet fell in love with Chip upon uh, announcement. He's cute. Yeah, he's a cute creature. He's super cute, but I mean, we it, it's been over. It's been You can tell it's been a while since we've gotten new stuff because <laughs> uh, everybody immediately geeked out, not over Chip's ability, but over the card and the cuteness of it. He does look like a stone Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur is my favorite Pokemon, so I am on board. He's even using Vine Whip in this. Yeah, dude, I'm on board with the Chip Love. And they announced today on Twitter, they said, oh, uh, so you we heard you guys like Chip or something like that. And then they showed that there's going to be a Guardian version oh. of Chip. Oh, cool. So that's going to go over really well. I might have to pick that guy up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Please give me new things to buy cosmetically. Yeah, I think Chip would make a great guardian. I will say this about Chip. I would be just as okay with him being a one mana 2-2 two, two that got plus one plus one when you play at a landmark later in the game. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, a lot of decks now have one mana 2-2s two, that could become 3-3s three, or one mana 3-3s three, that then become 2-2s. Two, um, you know, I don't know why you would ever play this over Solari Soldier um, whenever you're playing Targon, because if you're if you're playing Targon already, even if you do have landmark synergy, do you really need this to be a 3-3 later on, or would you rather it be a 3-3 immediately and then become a 2-2 for the remainder? Um, uh, you know, there, there better be a really, really good reason to play Chip, otherwise you're in a faction with Solari Soldier, one of the, arguably the best one-drops in the game outside of maybe a Bilgewater one-drop. Um, and so I don't know how much play chip sees. I'd much rather see him be a one mana two, two that gets plus one plus one when you play a landmark, but that was just my initial thought. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But if chip becomes a guardian, I think that might be a purchase that I have to make as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it's going to have to happen. Yeah. The last <laughs> one was a Shuriman card clockwork clockwork curator. Of course, these first three cards were showing us some of the factions that we were going to get between target Ionia and the more Shurima cards. He is a two mana two, two. So not good stats, but not awful stats, right? There's worse. There's worse stats than that. Yeah. Um, play mm -hmm. advance in allied landmark two rounds, which, uh, you know, I think people immediately think, oh, OK, like sh Mono Sharima, we can like now we can really begin advancing, you know, on turn two, on turn three, our uh, our buried sun, sun disc. disc. And I, yeah. I don't disagree with that. However, this is very good on some rock bear synergy as well. Uh, I mean, being able to tick down rock bear by a couple of ticks is very strong. Um, yeah, I. Yes, maybe. I'll give you a maybe on that. So I've played a lot of Talia ro with Rock Bears. It's pretty bad, but it's fun. Um, yeah. The issue with Rock Bears is you've got two versions. You've got the two cost one that you drop on two, and then it comes online on six uh, because it's a, it's a countdown four. Then you got the four cost one, and that comes online in two turns, right? Uh -huh. um, the four cost one is obviously the best one to clone with Talia if you're just playing like value Talia. Right. If you're trying to like clone her, obviously you might, you know, yeah, it's still worth it's still worth cloning the rock bears usually. But sometimes you're like, OK, I need to hold on to this and wait to play it because I don't want it to die. I need my Talia to live. Um, so there's two thoughts I have on this one. Rock bears. Pretty cool. I'm not convinced a five four is worth uh, a clockwork curator speeding it up necessarily, because if you think about it, you're spending two mana to speed up the arrival of this unit, but you've still had to invest the initial cost of the landmark and then also the cost of this guy that is a 2-2. Two -two. 
Um, and you're putting board presence on, but there's a lot of other decks that can put board presence. I'm just not sure. I'll need to see what around it is good enough to maybe revisit rock bears. I think if anything, Malphite might be that thing, right? Um, Malphite might be that landmark support that like, if he pull, if he can put into play a landmark from the grave or something, or if he can, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he's not going to clone a landmark because Talia already does that, but maybe he makes landmarks uh, countdown twice per turn or something like that. Like anything like that, and this might be worth supplementing, but as it is right now, I don't know how good this is with Rock Bear because you don't even want to play it on two. Like yeah. you have to wait till three to play it, at which point you're undercurving a two drop. I just don't know if that's good enough. We'll see. But... That's another really cute, it's another really really cute unit. Yeah, it is. We get I, I would I would game. be interested in, in a guardian version of the Clockwork Curator. So darn it, Give Riot, it stop making cute things. Yeah, don't don't make. I mean, Chip is cuter, but uh, it, it is nice. Chip, Chip is cuter, but like, if I had a little, if I was a wizard and I had a little Clockwork Curator as a familiar, I would be super happy. Yeah, I I I agree with that. I agree with that. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on to the preservationist, right? Did I pronounce that right? The preservationist. Yes. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Good work. Look at that. Holy cow! I practiced a lot time, like for three or four right. hours today in a mirror, making sure I got that name right. Um, this awesome. is five mana four four Sharima card that says play advanced allied landmarks three rounds. Advanced allied landmarks three rounds um advance one allied landmark oh yeah and allied landmark not not all of them um interesting i mean it's like uh it's like the clockwork curator bigger redundancy for the effect i would have liked this to have said advance all allied landmarks three rounds for it being a five drop unit with under statted stats yeah also I'm pretty sure it's the exact same art as Preservarium just zoomed in, and I'm not sure I like that. Yeah, it might be. He might be, like, on the side of the tree in Preservarium. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't so know now if I'm he's gonna, now I'm gonna pre- check. I don't know if he's in Preservarium or not. But, I mean, there's not a lot to say about this guy, right? Um, he's a giraffe. He's a giraffe that tends trees. Um, like a rocky giraffe? Like a rocky... Okay, it is the same creature, but it's a different artwork. Okay, same creature, different artwork. Yeah, I mean it's a yeah. So he's a he's a big stone giraffe creature. Yeah, right. Cool. Okay. Okay. Well, let's move on. The clock hand. I just realized there's like another dozen cards in this set too that we haven't looked at yet. I I didn't even realize they didn't get posted in this channel. We'll have to talk about them too. There's another dozen. Uh, There's like a whole bunch of of Ionian cards that got released today that uh, that I I forgot was in this. Uh, I'll show I'll show you in a minute. The clock hand. All right. uh, The clock hand. When I'm summoned, create two instant centuries. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Those are those were that was a Reddit post of like projected like oh, it's projected uh, of like it's not even projected it's like um wish list it's like fan creation oh thank goodness oh thank yeah goodness. no it, yeah i was like i had to check that awful. earlier i looked at that I was like oh that's interesting and then i was like okay that's also not real oh thank goodness <laughs> um because i was like oh my gosh there's so much return stuff to your hand why haven't they figured out this sucks yet okay eight okay mana- weirdly weirdly i actually was into it 
but that's a, <laughs> that's a tale for another day. <laughs> eight, eight mana four seven epic. When I'm summoned, create two instant sentries in hand. Instant sentries a zero mana focus spell that reads summon a random landmark with countdown or advance a random landmark four rounds. This is burst Ooh. speed on your turn. This card. Well, focus speed. Focus speed, but, you know, burst speed on your turn. This card is interesting. Summon a random landmark with countdown. I'm not sure how much I love that. I'm not sure how much I love that because you could get one that does four damage to your entire board unless this only pulls from Sharima. I mean, it's two damage to your board, right, from Freljord. Sure. I mean, it would heal you for four. <laughs> it, would, it would do that, but not great if you have board presence. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's random, so there's got to be a downside. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the downside is you're playing but there's also times, four seven. <laughs> right, but there's also times where you might want to get Blighted Ravine. That's true. Um, and you I won't think be the able more, to. I think... I think the more interesting part of it, honestly, is the advance a landmark four rounds because it's the idea with the clock hand, although I don't think it's good because it's an eight cost unit that doesn't instantly affect the enemy creatures. Uh-huh. Um, which I've I've kind of determined that like in my head, if you're gonna play anything of seven cost or higher, it needs to either uh extend your resources, and by that I mean get you a really dang good card like drawing Swain. Uh, it needs to be part of a combo. Or it needs to uh, instantly pressure your opponent's life total or their creatures. This does none of those things. Therefore, I don't think it's good. However, uh, you can scenario, play this. Maybe. You can play this and instantly advance the Sun Disc eight rounds. Which is pretty strong. I mean, it's it's a third of what it needs to be. And if by turn eight, you'll have already gotten another eight off. And you've probably Basically, leveled up a zero at that point. Right. I think that I don't or or if you've got two rock bear things, I, I think this card is going to be bad. But I think it's also going to be contextualized better once we see the other landmarks, because very clearly, like we're seeing cards that support landmarks we're almost certainly going to get a couple more. And that's really going to contextualize like, okay, what are we going to be able to advance outside of just the ones we have and or sun disc. So like, although I think it's going to be bad because I think that you, you would need landmarks that can stall till turn eight. And then also you would want, you would need a landmark out that you needed to really advance quickly. Um, despite all of that, I think that uh, there is some interesting elements to this. And I do like that there is flexibility in instant century to, hey, I don't have anything to advance. Well, at least I'll get a couple. And if you summon a random landmark, you can with one, you can instantly advance it with the other. That's true. That that's definitely true. Okay, so here's here's the niche for me. And this is this is where mm -hmm. I see this. Mono Mono Sharima um Sun Disc deck, right? Azir Nasus, Azir Renekton, or just you know, playing Azir typically that wants to get Azir to level three and play the Emperor had a had a big problem. And it was never getting the Sun Disc down below 10. It was always finishing out the Sun Disc. It's always With like okay, one, yeah. yeah, it was like, okay, I could get Azir out. 
and I could level him oftentimes and I could take it down 10 and I could play out towards sort of the middle of the end of the game, but I didn't really have the survival tools in Monoshirima to stay alive. And I also didn't have a very good way to sort of make sure that I was leveling up Nasus or make sure that I was leveling up Renekton. It was kind of hard to pull yeah. that off. In this case, this is a way of saying in that deck, okay, I am going to be playing around Azir, whoever. I'm going to get this thing ticked down. And when I get to turn eight, I am going to go to level three, right? Like by turn eight, I almost guarantee to have this in my hand. If I can stall the game long enough to get to turn eight, instead of like from turn eight to turn 15, waiting for this thing to tick down, I can force it on turn eight. If you don't have landmark destruction, if you don't have an answer, I'm going to get a zero to level three. Um, well, that's and win the, the game thing. the Emperor's deck. That's the thing. You keep saying Azir. It may be the best way, but it also now is not the only way. You can play a Buried Sun Disc deck that builds completely into either of the three, and you don't have to run the other two. That's also very valid. Yeah, that's super valid. So if you want to win off of Renekton, smashing the face and doing two to literally everything that the opponent has at a 10-10 Overwhelm, like you could arguably do it. Is it better than Azir? Pro probably not. Azir is a little easier to level, you know. Um, and, and the cool thing too with Azir is that like he's great, uh, you know, to help level. He's great for leveling himself. Mm -hmm. Like he helps himself level. But you know, through the course of the game, you can very easily summon ten units by turn eight, right? So at that point, especially if you're running the uh, the one drop Dune Keeper and a couple other things, so. You know, you conceivably could be running uh, an Azir-focused build, never play Azir until you would ascend him. Mm -hmm. Like hold him in hand, count down the sun disc to below to to below ten or whatever, and then drop Azir from hand, instantly level him twice, get the Emperor's deck. Hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah, and I think that there. Are... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that that's where this card finds a good spot and adds a little bit of inevitability to that deck. And that was the problem that the deck had. The deck had no inevitability, right? Like, it was like, okay, yeah, you can do your thing, but unless you get really lucky, you're going to have to hold me off for seven turns where I have 10 mana. Um, this yeah. is like, and like, there's no, it was just way too slow. And this card may say, nope, it's not too slow. I may not be able to win with the Emperor's deck. I may not be able to win with tier three Nasus. Um, but I'm, I'm sure as heck going to get him on turn eight. So you better be ready to go. You know, well, and what's interesting about it too, is that you'll be able to start advancing. You'll be able to be advancing the sun disc, um, while playing out units that the opponent doesn't really feel the need to prioritize in trades. You know, mm -hmm. like you're putting fodder down to block with uh, as you advance your win condition. Um, yeah, no, I think that this is interesting. We'll see if it, it pans out, but I, I nonetheless, nonetheless, well, it'll be interesting. I think it's a really cool aspect because these are all clock things. It'll be really interesting to see if like Zillion Azir becomes a thing, right? Where um, you want to play Zillion to sort of stall the game and support and keep your Azir alive, and then you want to level Azir. And then level them again with some of these clockwork cards. Uh, I'm I'm really interested to see if like a zillion Azir deck emerges from this because well, I, I could definitely and, see it being a thing. Well, and we're talking about uh, Mal. We were talking about Malphite being landmark centric, and I think he will be. Uh, but one of the next cards we have, and we're kind of bouncing around on this little list, but that's okay. I think this makes sense. Is uh, time in a bottle? Yes. Right. And it has zillion on the card. Yes. 
very clearly Zillion is now going to have something to do with uh, predicting and and potentially also um, uh, with countdowns too. I mean, they're both both predict and countdowns are very like time made centric. So it'll be it really leaves the door wide open for what the heck this dude is going to do. Um, time in a bottle seems very very potent. I, I this is really cool. Probably the most exciting of the three. Uh, and one that I would instantly say, hey, let me put this in my Talia list. So it's a two mana uh, common in Shurima with it, uh, focus speed. And it says predict and advance an allied landmark two rounds. So when you play it, you basically just instantly get to look at those top three, put one on top, and then choose a landmark and advance it too. Like, that's really cool. It, this doesn't this doesn't go in every deck, obviously, because not every deck wants to advance. But in decks that do want to advance your landmarks, part of the problem with landmarks is that they don't have that immediate pressure. So you're constantly sitting there in a balance like, okay, I need units, but I also need to take up some of my board space with these landmarks. You have to strike that balance, and it can be tough to do. Sometimes you draw all landmarks. Sometimes you draw no landmarks, right? That's why Predict is so impactful, and that's why like the Psy Scout in these like Talia uh, rock bear lists anyways are so important, you know, uh, and, and the rock bear lists are bad. I, don't get me wrong. I am aware of it, but um, this is just that perfect distillation of that issue of like, Hey, I need to be getting my landmarks to be useful. I get to advance it, but I also get to say, well, crap, I need a unit or I need a spell or whatever it is you need. You then get to go and also predict. So you're accomplishing, you're checking off two boxes with one card. I think this is a really, really fascinating and, and interesting card. And overall, like it may never, it may never be good, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it is a cool and interesting one. I think there's some interesting interactions here too. So it allows you to, at focus speed, pop Blighted Ravine with spell mana. Um, yeah. It that also too. allows you to use Entomb to save your own creature and then at focus speed, pop your Entomb and pop your creature out so you don't have to wait two turns to get it back. Um, so yeah, you, can, you also can preservarium and predict and instantly draw the second copy. Yes, you can. Yeah, exactly. You can. Uh, now, that's interesting because you can predict, choose the card that you want to put on the top of your deck and instantly get that card as well for two yep. spell mana. What's interesting is this countdown, the landmark, this counts down your landmarks, but it is a spell that does so. And everything else that we've had has been creatures like, you know, the preservationist, the, the what is it, the clockwork guy? Curator. Yeah, the clockwork curator. And even like the clockwork hand, yeah, instant century doesn't do that. Like, but you have to play clockwork hand to get instant century. This allows you to bank a couple of spell mana in order to speed up one of your landmarks and if, if it's one that you know and it gives you a little bit of flexibility and then just the added predict on it like i might have said that like this this is kind of like to me this is like a one mana uh it's like a one mana focus advance something by two which would be very very strong and then it's also a one mana predict which would also in my opinion be very strong um, a one mana, you know, focus spell predict, and it's combined and we'll into one. Them up. Yeah, I think that this card is really strong. Once again, obviously, you're not going to play it in a deck that isn't going to want to advance landmarks, but in a deck that does want to advance landmarks, yeah, you probably becomes... definitely want that in there. Yeah, you know what else is cool too? Uh, it's also going to help out a ton with one of the best, like low key best cards in the entire Sharima set that hasn't had a chance to shine yet, but is still stupid good, which is Ancient Hourglass. 
Mm-hmm. Somebody tries to screw with your champ, you hourglass them, vault them for a turn, and get them back. Now you can just get it right back that same turn. Yep. Dang. Yeah, yeah very similar to you know what Entomb does. A tomb can target an enemy and cost five oh. mana instead of two mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it would you know obviously you get the full value out of this you know but the ancient hourglass you know yeah sometimes before it was like okay you want an ancient hourglass so that you can you know copy it with Talia and then get extra copies of the champions and that was kind of the meme and we thought that might be good but it didn't turn out to be good time in a bottle can protect it it, it turns ancient hourglass well, not just I, into a meme with Talia it turns it into a genuine protection capability yeah and also like i mean you it, it increases the viability of ancient hourglass to the point where like you know you you could argue dropping ancient hourglass into any countdown deck ever and use it in so many more flexible ways. How many times do you have a unit that you want to attack with? Let's say Talia. We'll say, we'll, we'll say Talia. You, you've got a level Talia. You want to attack with it. Uh, let's you, know, you, you may not have the second copy of Talia that allows you to clone and do silly things, but Talia on their own level is still very strong. You have to attack to get her benefit. First thing they do on, the, on their turn, they try to vengeance you before you attack. Okay. Yeah. You hourglass. You save her. But now it's going to be their attack deck, and she gets no value. You're stuck. Like, okay, well then I can't attack. Uh, now you get to break her out of her own hourglass and go swing again. And it's attack. at focus speed, so you, mm-hmm. well, it's at focus speed, so you can do it and then immediately attack. And there's no lack of, uh, there's no chance for them to interact with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love, I love time in a bottle. Time, <laughs> time will tell how it fares. Uh, but imagined possibilities is our last card. You want to yes. run through that one for sure. me? Sure. A one mana Sharima rare spell that's at focus speed that says create a random landmark with countdown in hand or advance your landmarks one round. Now this does advance all of your landmarks, which is, uh, that's notable. Like, right. That, that That's yeah. typically where you're going to want to use this, right? If you're going to, well, if you're going to be running, and I don't think this is run in the Mono Sharima deck necessarily. I think you have better options for getting Sundisk leveled up, right? You can play creatures to do that. But I do think that you maybe play this in a deck that wants to have three or four landmarks on the board, two to four landmarks on the board, really, um, and one mana, count them all down by one, um, and that's mm. probably in a Talia list. So I do think this is a Talia tool well, in my mind. Yeah, I mean, you could literally go... If you can get the Talia clones off with imagined possibilities in hand, you actually can do it on the same turn that you've cloned them. Because mm-hmm. you pop all the hourglasses instantly and then swing the three Talias on the same turn that you you cloned. Uh, it's a lot of mana, but you know it's it's still viable. It's a eight mana combo now that gets you to do it on one turn instead of over the course of two turns. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I don't think we should underestimate this creating a landmark. There's only going to be a pretty small pool of of landmarks with countdown, and so far, none of them have been bad. I guess if you pull Sun Disk, it's not that great, <laughs> uh, and I don't even know if you can. You probably can. Yeah, you probably can pull Sun Disk, but I mean that's a, that's the worst case scenario, right? But like you pull Blighted Ravine, even if you're a board a deck that cares about board state, it's not a bad card to have in the back pocket. Yeah, you know. And there's going to be times where you're like, hey, uh, if I pull a Preservarium, great, I get to draw. If I get an Ancient Clockwork or Ancient Machinations, I get to predict. If I get a Rock Bear, I get board, like, board presence. Like, it, none of them are strictly terrible. You know, um, The pool is actually rather strong in a mid-range shell where you're, you're not necessarily going for 
raw consistency of like hitting the same flop every time, but you're adapting to the scenario. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love any anytime they print these cards that have some flexibility that says, well, if you don't have the scenario that this card is meant for, you can also use it in this other one. Um, I'm I'm game for stuff like that. I like yeah. it when they do things like that for sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. It's a good direction to be in because you don't want these cards to be completely dead. You want them to find some usefulness in a deck. And if you if, if you give a card a kicker like that where it's like, hey, you don't get the optimal thing, no worries. It's not going to sit dead in your hand for 17 turns. Yeah, you can <laughs> like, grab that's something great. else, especially one of these cheap one-mana cards. I think it's interesting how many cards they are printing with focus, and I'm excited for that. I love exploring the that's focus good. space. I think it's a really great spell speed. I'm glad that we're in that space. I think that focus is excellent. And that does seem sort of like a course that that, that seems like something that was outside of the plan of the game initially. And as the game has involved, has evolved, they, you know, created some cards that did this naturally. And they're like, Oh, this is so awesome. We need to do this more. And it probably has significantly changed the design space and capability of them to do new things um, because yeah. of the focus speed, which I think is excellent. You know, I think that's, that's really definitely. cool. Yeah. Well, guys, that's going to wrap up the main uh, topic. We'll be back next week talking about all three champions uh, and taking a look at them because it will be just probably a day or so before the release of the cards. Let us know what you think over in our Discord. Jump over to Discord. Mm -hmm. Uh, Join our Discord. There's a link in the show notes as well. Let us know what you think about these cards because we're excited to talk about them. And if you love card hype, this is the perfect time to join our Discord because we're constantly talking about cards and there's conversation going on. There's always live streams and group conversations going on in our Discord as well. Um, and almost every night there's some sort of a hangout going on. I was hanging out with, uh, with three or four guys last night, DBN being one of them, um, just watching them play some games. It's a lot of fun. So come over and join us in discord. That's the place to be. Yeah. And I do want to real fast, just to show you what kind of awesome content you get in our discord. Uh, not only we get to hang out with people, but you'll also get access to some spicy lists from community members. I couldn't, I could not shout out. Uh, this list that I've played a couple uh, rounds of today uh, by Silent Eric. Silent Eric put together a Renekton Tom Kench deck that is so fun and so interesting. Uh, so go check that out. It's in our uh, Deck Tech channel. It uh, it really puts uh, the best use of Bayou Brunch. Like you really can get so much out of Bayou Brunch and it runs a lot of vulnerable related stuff. So it's a such a cool deck. Uh, get over there and check that out and check out some of the other decks that our community members have been putting out because it's a community and everybody is sharing and hanging out and just generally, I don't know, showing love and and uh, it's awesome. I, 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 I love our Discord. I can't brag about it enough. I'm so proud of it. Uh, it's a really great community. So make sure you come and be a part of it. Join us over there. Um, let's go ahead and work our way out of here. I'm going to jump into a quick closing thought. And I thought I was already perfect. So as I was thinking about closing thoughts this week, uh, a lot of it has been a little bit easier to prepare because I'm now preparing, you know, messages and things for Lux Digital and uh, and one of the things that I was thinking about, because I'm, I'm talking on this tomorrow, is sort of the power and the importance of other people in your life, the power and the importance of community and having people around you. And I realized there are things in life that we just don't let people in on because we sort of live in a culture that says, like, no, that's something that you deal with on your own. And most of those things 
sort of revolve around mental health or things where we do have stigmas. And I think a lot of the problems that we face in life is the fact that we try to sort of go into mind level battles um, where we're trying to sort of write our thinking and get healthy and get fit. But we do those things alone. And so my closing thought is really like if you're trying to do that, like find some people that you can kind of bring around you and do that in the context of community with others. Yes, people are probably going to think that you're crazy. And the people that I let in on the, the craziness of my mind, the behind the scenes, sometimes they think I'm crazy as well. Um, but I get to see the crazy side of them too. And uh, I was just thinking about that because my I have a, a friend, a close friend who we meet every week and we kind of go over everything in our lives. What's going on in your life? We have seven key areas that we address. And some of those are physical things and some of those are mental things. But it's been really helpful for me to contemplate and bounce some stuff off of him of what's going on inside of my head. Um, and uh, because once I verbalize it, it's it's made a big difference. And I would never do that without that relationship um, and that chance to just sit down with him once a week and, and grab breakfast and talk through some stuff. And so if you don't have people in your life that have access to what goes on uh, behind the scenes, behind your eyes and the gears in your head, Find some people to do that with. Uh, even if you feel like it'd be hard to trust somebody, it's better to be hurt um, or burnt than it is to to not have that in your life. Uh, it, it honestly is better to trust and then reform trust if you have to um, than it is to, to go without it. And so that's my closing thought. Um, bring people into your life that help you not just in the physical things in life, but also in the mental battles that you have. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. I hope it's a big thing. But. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode, though. Um, DBN, people want to find you. How they how they going to find you? Find me in the Discord, baby. I'll see you there. Yeah, I'll say that, too. Find you in the Discord. I'll say I stream Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, 8 to 11 a.m. at twitch.tv slash the lift. And, uh, and then I also lead an online church that's uh, run by gamers for gamers. Um, and so uh, we are at twitch.tv slash Church. Every LUX digital church every uh, every Wednesday night at 8:30 p.m. EDT. Um, so if you want to check us out, come and hang out there, or uh, you know jump in and shoot me a message, and I can send you a link to our Discord, and you can come and hang out with us there as well. Would love to have you join that community. In addition to the community that we have over here at Legends Cast, uh, whether you are a, you know a, a church person or not, matters not to me. We have lots of not church people in our church, and that's the reason that we're doing it the way that we're doing it. Um, so we'd love to have you over there. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode of Legends Cast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really do deeply appreciate you. Another shout out and thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who make this happen. We appreciate you as well. So that's it for this episode. Thanks so much, and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.